Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus Murray from Black, Married, and Debt Free. And yes, you have heard correctly. Shira Murray and I have decided to step out into the podcast world to share with you some really, really dope content. For those of you who do not follow us on our YouTube channel, shameless plug, Shira and I are a 30-something millennial couple that paid off over $110,000 in debt in 2017. And we are passionate about sharing exactly how we did that with others. We are super excited about today's episode because we have the opportunity to sit down with financial behaviorist, Dr. Anita R. Johnson. She is the co-author of the book, Being Broke is Maddening. We had the pleasure of sitting in on one of her awesome lectures, and we had to get her to come on to the Black Married and Debt-Free podcast to share with you. Check it out. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus from Black Married Debt Free, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira Murray. And we are super excited. I'm, I'm, I'm cheesing, you know, as I do quite often. I'm excited. I'm smiling because we have a special guest. We have Dr. Anita Johnson on the podcast this week. And we had the opportunity to go to a lecture that she had a few weeks back. And uh, we just got so much out of it. So Dr. Nita Johnson is a financial behaviorist and she is the founder of Money, Wisdom and Women and the co-author of Being Broke is Maddening. And we had an opportunity to read her book and it was, we just got so much out of it. So we wanted to bring her on so she can give us some nuggets and some wisdom and, and hang out with us. So. Dr. Anita Johnson or Anita, thank you for being on with us. So we just have a couple questions. We're just going to dive in. Um, first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, those who uh, haven't heard of you yet? Okay, so tell me exactly what you want me from the very beginning when my mother had me or when I... <laughs> However far back you want to go. <laughs> well, I'm actually, a, I'm actually a native of Louisiana and I migrated here in 79 and raised two children here. Um, I finished my um, degrees at uh, both my degrees or my undergrad and graduate at National University and then my last one, my graduate degree at um, Walden University. And so I've been owning my own business while I was working for the state and doing that little side gig until and making lots of money at the state. Then I decided, well, I had decided a long time ago that I wanted to be an entrepreneur because <clears throat> my family, most of my family was entrepreneurs. My mother and dad, they had their own side gigs when they were teachers. And then my aunts and uncles on my mom's side had uh, speakeasy places here in California. <laughs> yeah. They, and then my mother owned a nightclub too in Louisiana. So they always wanted to be, um, they, uh, so I, the entrepreneurship was always like in my blood. So as I was working through the state, then my son got to be 13 and he needed a lot of um, support and help. And so I said, okay, it's time for me to stop. And so I became, um, I went into Anita Johnson and Associates, which we did a lot of bookkeeping and taxes at the time. And then later on, <clears throat> changed the name to Money Wisdom for Women because women were coming through to my uh, organization and was trying to figure out uh, what to do with their money uh, they was making lots and lots of money but they just were broke all the time and I was trying to figure out why that was so then I started uh, getting my PhD I started to go to law school to be a tax lawyer and then I decided I would 
probably be, be better off getting a, a, a degree in finance and researching women and money. So that's what I did. So that's how I became a financial behaviors. Um, although my niche is women, I have couples that actually come. I actually, uh, I have another couple that just, um, that just came in. Um, and usually it's the wife that makes a decision and the men just kind of follow along with it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great story, you know, to hear the, the beginnings and like how you said, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit was, was in you at a young age. So that's, I think that's amazing. Uh, so with your uh, meeting with women in regards to their finances, can you tell us in your experience, what are, what seems to be the common uh, barrier, you know, in people obtaining financial freedom? Yeah. So what I find uh, common, especially when it comes to women and mostly, um, well, women in general, let me just go women in general, you know, play nice and just kind of take what people give them and be happy. And that's what I found a lot with women in general. And then when you go culturally, I find with African-American women, they really have a whole different kind of concept of what beauty is or what is um, supposed to be their place and then you have Asian and, and Hispanic women who have a whole that's a whole different especially Hispanic women and then Asian women that have a whole different light on um, money you know, how they feel about money and things just just to uh, you just spark something uh, right there in your lecture you spoke about the uh, disparity when it comes to the net worth mm-hmm. can you break that down because uh, we got some people that were really wanted to Interesting. So the uh, disparity with women and net worth. So a black woman's net worth is worth five dollars. It used to be a dollar, so it come up to five, right? And then a white woman's is forty thousand and eight hundred, something to that effect. <clears throat> and so a lot of people get confused with what net worth is. They think their paycheck is net worth, right? And they don't re- realize that. Uh, net worth is their assets. So we're talking about uh, lots of assets. We're not talking about your home or your car because your car is not an asset. We're talking more on investments, um, how to invest and invest properly. We're not, And I'm not necessarily talking about investing in the stock market, but investing in, for instance, say for instance, I had actually got um, Airbnb in my home, right? Um, or some other things. So that would make my house... Uh, my investment in that more valuable right right? and then um then you have investments in uh i think i talked about life insurance right okay we talked about life insurance and so life insurance is a good way to pass wealth over to your children but we as african-americans don't do that a lot because we say oh i'm not leaving them nothing because (laughs) if they made it i got to make it right and so you have that and then you have um and the other thing I talk about is education and it's not necessarily going to college because I'm not sure if college is a good thing <laughs> anymore. Right. Um, because we come out with a lot of student, debt, uh, a lot of student loan debt. But if we had houses that would value in it, like white people do, we could take the money out of the house and pay for the education. Or if we left our children certain life insurance policy while, while they were still young, we could give them some, um, a life insurance policy for them to go to college. So those are things that are part of the net worth. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, we picked up a copy of your book. So Being Broke is, is Maddening, the book that you <laughs> co-authored. And we both went through it. There are um, sections where 
there were some questions that were presented. And so Marcus and I went through um, through the questions and answered them. We really had a lot of interesting conversations based off of, you know, the information provided in the book. So can you share a little bit about like what sparked the, the idea for um, this book, Being Broke is Maddening? Okay. So my, uh, my thing is, um, I believe that big, uh, long spurts of brokenness brings on depression and it brings on not only depression, but it brings on um, mental health issues. So my theory is, um, and my theory is, and, and I do, and like I say, I actually deal with black women more and I deal, I research more in black women than I do with any other, um, and I compare them. So my dissertation was about the difference between black women and white women um, and how they view money and what was the cause of them, uh, how they view it and what's the cause and the mindset that people have around money. And I have a theory that's probably gonna, that's coming out in my next book, which is Unapologetically Broke. Um, we talk about um, how that uh, post-dramatic slave syndrome pay, plays a, a big part of how we think. And so that's how I think about, um, about us and uh, money. I think there's a theory about black women. So we had slavery, we had Jim Crow, we had all of those, and those things helped us, had a, a thing for our mindsets towards money. Redlining, all of those things have a mindset on how we feel about money. And the and somebody else's definition of how we should be beautiful has a lot of, has lots, you know, people, women spend lots and lots of money on different things that they could be investing in, uh, but you know, I never tell anybody anything about how to spin it. I just be saying, okay, this is how to think about it. So I think we don't have enough money and enough time or enough money. And that gives, gives us that mindset. And then we become depressed and we become mad, maddening. And I work with this book with a, a therapist. And she says she sees that in a lot of her clients where it's not just the, it's not just other issues. It's not that my dog is dead. It's like, okay, I'm broke and I'm always broke. And so those are the kinds of things that keep going. When we were reading that, you know, even the title alone, uh, it's just like, man, that, you never think about it like that, you know, but mm-hmm. again, like you said, it plays on your mental health and you're consistently, you know, not yeah. where you want to be financially. So that's, that's. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we don't know how to get out of it. A lot of people come to me and the first thing they want to do is like, oh yeah, I've been following this budget or I've been following this spreadsheet. I've been doing this. There's something wrong. Can you help me with my spreadsheet? And I say, well, okay, so how's that spreadsheet been working for you before? So you think that's the only thing that you need need to do? You need to actually uh, change your mindset or improve your mindset when it comes to money. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So um, one of the questions that um, that were in the workbook, um, it asked about how we were raised. And so can you like speak to the significance of your upbringing and how that may impact some of your spending habits as you, you know, um, as you get older? Okay. So, 
So one of the questions, a lot of the questions that I ask people is how did, were there fights in the family about and was there one person that controlled the money? Uh, did you come from a one person household or a two person household? Those type of things. Um, that's actually the, what the retreat is about too. It's about your your financial DNA that we that I have coming up in August. It's about that. So I'm, I always use myself as an example. I was raised so both my parents were educators so they taught school during the day and then my dad was an architect and my mother played the piano so my dad built almost every church in Louisiana and my mother played at every one of them wow. <laughs> right so uh, and my mother got a car every four years right every four years she got my dad and her designed their own home and so, and we lived in a, I lived in a small town called Oakdale and it was like 500 people population. So school teachers were like the, well, the kings and queens on the hill, right? And so we um, had a big house we lived in and things like that. And all my friends were school teachers' kids. So they had big houses too, if you can compare them in Oakdale, Louisiana, right? And so, and everybody knew who my parents were. So if I go uptown to white folks places or something like that so I could just get what I wanted and my parents my dad would pay for it and so um I thought that that was the way it was supposed to be and so I did that in um I did that in my marriage and that was just a that was a a, a reckoning when you know my husband would be like no I'm not paying for that then I would ask well my dad would pay for it and then my dad would pay for it <laughs> and then I don't know what happened but uh, I think my husband had a talk with my dad. And so <laughs> I think he stopped paying for it. And so I asked my dad, I was like, you didn't send me my money, right? One day and he's like, your money? Where did it get to, get to be your money? Right. <laughs> right. So there's an example of how um, that is. And a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of women that I deal with, they say that their dad did a lot of that too. And when the day of reckoning came, um, I mean, I was still working. I was still making money. I was still doing everything, but I still was like, okay, that, you know, that it, I, I thought I was entitled to have that from him. Uh, and um, it broke my heart when he stopped, but I think it made me a better person. And if there's, uh, you know, and I work with couples and I've had one uh, couple one woman she just she's so into the spreadsheet and the guy's like i don't want no spreadsheet i don't want to deal with that but come to find out his dad never his dad never paid the bills on time you know his mother left his dad for not you know and so and she was raised with the spreadsheets and, th and so those are the things that really it really does that yeah so speaking of spreadsheets uh, one of the things that you describe in your book is a financial spending plan. Um, so can you kind of share maybe the differences between a financial spending plan and a budget? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so think about, um, think about how you write a budget, right? What I tell people. Think about how you do a budget. So most people, they pull numbers out of their hat and say it starts putting numbers right on a spreadsheet or a, or a budget or things like that. And, um, and I think I've already described the budget as a money on a diet. And most people don't want to be on a budget because they don't want to be on a diet or any of that kind of stuff, right? They want to be able to eat what they want when they feel like it, which ain't true, but that's what happens. <laughs> and so when you do a budget, you kind of pull money out of the hat and put these numbers in. And then you'd be like, oh, I went over my budget, so I'm not going to do this anymore, right? 
So a financial spending plan is a little different. It's a lot different than a budget. So it actually, what I have people do is start, uh, when people start coming to me, they track. That's one of the things they start. They start tracking what they spend and they track everything they spend. That means from their travel vacation to their investments, to uh, their retirement, to college education, to you know what they spend on gas, what they spend in the, the, the machines, any of the, they sort of tracking, they do that for three months and then they can categorize that so they have a better understanding of what they really spent. <clears throat> so they do that and then they categorize it and then you can you to put a buffer in there for five or 10% more on the number. So now you have a more accurate number of what you're spending right. as opposed to something with a budget that you just pulled a number out of the hat on. Yes. So that's the difference. And that's why I call it a financial spending plan because it has everything. It has a kitchen sink in there. Anything that you're going to spend, you know, your uh, emergency fund, any of that. Yeah, I thought that was great when you when we heard you at the lecture and you spoke to that. I was That was kind of eye-opening because I never had... I never thought about it like that. So I think that's, that's great. Uh, Anita, can you give some advice for escaping the cycle of being broke? Like, I know that's kind of a broad topic, <laughs> but if you could you know, give a couple tips. I would say follow you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys are amazing to me to be so young and to realize that most people have to be my age before they realize that, oh, I've really messed up, right? I would actually, some of the things I would probably say would to be um, know where your money mindset comes from. Um, realize that you have you have a money script. There's money scripts too. Um, I read this book. I can't remember the name of the person who I, who I got this from, but there's like different money scripts. One money script is, oh, I'm too fugal, right? So I'm never going to I'm never buying anything. So that means that you don't escape your own, your own um, mindset, right? Uh, it's like, you know, a lot of people that have been through the depression, they don't spend anything, right? They, you know, so you spend, and then there's somebody that spends too much. And there's, then there's somebody who is really in the middle of it. And then there's uh, one more, but I can't think of it right now. But, um, you have to know who you are and so who know who uh what your mindset is and just kind of watch it uh why it's not about it's not about i can go to the store and i spend too much it's like why do you spend it why are you in that position right why are you spending it like that what is it that makes you do that and i think when you do that then you find yourself in that money uh madness Right. Yes. Yeah, I think you spoke something uh, at the lecture when you said it's about the root. You know, you got to dig up the root. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What the root? What the root of the problem is? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, Anita, can you explain the importance of a uh, an action board? Right? So I do this. I do these things called financial action boards. Um, I wrote this book. I was in collaboration with somebody else, and I wrote this book the uh, uh, months ago with this person and part of that was uh, called a financial action board and part of the action board was it's like a vision board but it's more of action like okay so what actions are you going to take to um, to get to this particular money thing that you're trying to do right what actions are you going to are you really going to take and do right and so part of that is 
I want a certain number. I want a certain amount of money. What am I going to do with when I get that money? What kind of actions am I going to take to get it? What am I going to do with it? when I? Because money always should have a purpose. You should not be spending money just because you want to be spending money. You want to have an action for your for your money. Anita, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you uh, sitting down with us. Can you tell everyone how they can, you know, get in contact with you if they want to, or maybe your social media, just how they can uh, get, get in touch with you? Okay, so uh, they can always email me at moneywisdomforwomen at gmail.com. My website is anitarjohnson.com. And my Facebook page is Anita Johnson FP for Financial uh, Psychologist. And then, of course, under Eventbrite with all my events and things. So, yeah, you can find me there. Got you. Nice. So I think now is probably a a good time to put a plug in that um, when we attended a lecture to see um, Anita, we recorded some of it and we have it up on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it, you know, we encourage, you know, our our listeners to check it out. And one thing that happened, someone was, um, had invited Marcus and I to be a part of their, um, their, they did a Instagram live Mm -hmm. and in, part of the conversation they wanted to talk about you and they wanted yeah. to talk about you. <laughs> and so I'm really excited um, that you were able to join us today and I know that there are people looking forward um, to us having this conversation so again thank you oh thank you for having me I appreciate it all right thank you I love bye. you both bye bye <laughs>